Hello, and welcome to the Spookies Podcast. I'm Stephanie, your host, a Doomer adjacent woman. And I'm Michael, better a Doomer than a Boomer stuff. Always. We are currently still living through a global pandemic. Inflation is spiraling out of control. We are more divided than ever as a country. Democracy seems to be dying before our very eyes. A malaise has descended over the American empire, partially caused by the nation's inability to overcome the pandemic. I fear that we are on the brink of civil war in the year of our Lord, 2021, (laughs) and increasingly globalized humanity is faced with a planet in peril, overpopulation, dwindling resources, and technological upheaval. The rise of the internet, an event so swift and pervasive its political effect is only now beginning to be understood. It further democratized every source of information, dramatically expanded each outlet's readership, and gave every fucking asshole on the planet a platform. America has never been more ripe for fascism. What could possibly go wrong? This is not the future I think most of us had imagined. We seem to be on the precipice of something, something horrible. The threat of existential risk has never been more real, more dangerous. America is an aging dinosaur of late-stage capitalism. A society in rapid decline whose resources are being depleted at an exponential rate. But nothing is being done to rectify the problem because the ruling elite are unwilling or unable to change course. So Stephanie, what are we talking about tonight? We are talking about plagues and societal collapse. Examples of which would be the Anasazi, Easter Island, the Mayans, and Rome. They all fell to the collapse of civilization. So, who are we talking about tonight's uh, mystery with? We are talking with the inimitable Deidre Gould, author of After the Cure series and the XC2 series. You can find her on any e-reading platform. She also has audiobooks available. Uh, They're wonderful, wonderful, introspective, post-apocalyptic, zombie, but not exactly zombie stories. I mean, they're zombies. But they're a different take on zombies. It's a different take on zombies. So they're very interesting and, and they're smart. From what you've explained, because yeah. I haven't read the book. They're very they're very intelligent and smart and well-written and page-turners. So if you're a fan of Stephen King and you like those fast-page-style books and you like character-driven books, I think you would like these books. Stephanie pitched me this idea uh, to do a, an episode on plagues and societal collapse because she knows I love this topic. And I was like, okay, Stephanie, you've got one good idea. That's great. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I mean, I think plagues are really fucking scary. And I don't mean, I, I know I've harped a lot about COVID, but I I don't mean the COVID plague. I actually mean bloodborne type pathogens like um, Ebola, that kind of shit. Like that, that's scary. I'm like, more scared of Facebook. Like the, the plagues that have those high death counts. I mean, off the bat, you know, you just drop fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> Those are, to me, always frightening. You like, say that, but you're terrified of COVID. No, because co- you know what it is about COVID? COVID has a lot of long-term symptoms. So let's say you get it and you live, but there are people who are suffering from long-term symptoms. They haven't done research on it. They don't know how long they last. They've had them for like at least a year. And some of them are like smelling, rotting corpse-like smells while you eat food. Well, that can even happen with uh, allergies. But if it lasts for almost a year, that means it may not go away. And I that's the kind of shit, 
Like, I have enough on my plate with chronic illness. I don't need more. I, <laughs> I don't need more. Last year, I had an incident where I woke up and I everything smelled like firewood. And I thought I had COVID. Yeah. But it turned out it was just allergies. But it, it lasted for like a whole day. A day. It was scary. Yeah, no, I thought I, I thought for sure I've got COVID. <laughs> because that's the way you said it, you're like, but it lasted a whole day. They were saying online. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to minimize everybody it. Everybody <laughs> online was saying, oh, that's COVID. Because that's what it's, it's like. People mm-hmm. that I knew had had it said, I had that. That's what it was. Yeah, and people are still unable to smell things properly or smell at all. And I, I just can't imagine like not being able to smell, not being able to taste, or your smell and taste is altered in a way where food isn't just gross it smells like the most disgusting thing you've ever encountered i can't fucking imagine that i don't think it's going to be covid that wipes us so, out so no no i don't think it is either i'm just saying i don't i don't need to be sickened with a disease that it's going to give me more bullshit to deal with that's all i don't i don't want to deal with, with that. a systemic i have enough problem. shit on my plate that's all i have enough and things this was an interesting conversation. I was impressed. Uh, not because I had low expectations, but I, I was thoroughly impressed. So. Well, she's wonderful. She has a background in anthropology, and it shows in her books, too. And, and when she told me that, uh, not on the interview, but when we, we had been talking, uh, getting ready to do this interview, and I, I pitched her these ideas, and I'm thinking she knew a lot about plague. She knew way more than I did, and, and I'm not surprised. Um, both of these people are really smart, Michael and Deirdre. <laughs> so is <laughs> Stephanie. She just pretends like she's not. <laughs> well, I think I think your abilities to retain information is far greater than my own. Where mine kind of, I don't know, information floats in and out of here, and I can recall things when I need it. And other times, it's like it's gone. I learned it, and it's it doesn't exist it's anymore. It's not that. It's not that. I don't. You just get unfocused. It's the thyroid thing. Yeah, it's That's a, it's, it's a thing. lack of focus. Well, no, it's it's a because it's you are brain very fog. smart. It's not that. <laughs> I I do not have the memory I used to, and it's not just because I've gotten older. It really is brain fog from hypothyroid Hashimoto's. It really affects my cognitive abilities, and it, it and that's the ability to focus <laughs> and recall details and information that yeah. used to be. I mean, I never had issues with taking tests and things like that because I could remember things pretty i mean i could listen to a lecture remember all of it clearly um and retain it so i didn't always have to take notes it's kind of easy for me in that way i know we've gotten off topic yeah we have (laughs) what i'm saying is that michael and deirdre are very smart and i thoroughly enjoyed having deirdre on uh, the podcast because she brought to light things that i i wouldn't have thought of on my own about just society in general and why things collapse, and um, not just in a plague way, but what different types of plague, maybe like famines. We went through different scenarios, political, social, mm-hmm. uh, plagues, you know, biological threats. It's just really about a bunch of existential threats, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Uh, but it was very good. I, I really enjoyed this, and I hope you guys do as well. Let's get into it. All right. We're here with Deidre Gould, author of After the Cure series. She's going to help us break down and explore zombies, plagues, and societal collapse. Heady stuff. Deirdre, tell us a little bit about yourself and your page-turning books. 
<laughs> well, my name's Deirdre, obviously. I live in very rural Maine, and uh, my After the Cure series is about uh, what would happen if a zombie apocalypse happened due to a bacteria, and if there was, because it's a bacteria, if there was an antibiotic found, what would happen to the people who had been zombified, or um, and what would happen to the society that took them back, basically. I love it. I, I love the book so much. I I don't even know how I found these. I think I was just out of books to read. And I was scrolling through um, iBooks, like like what to read next. And I was probably <laughs> reading Stephen King because I read a ton of Stephen King. And I like to reread his books too. And yours popped up. And I'm like, hmm, that sounds interesting. Another <laughs> another author from Maine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't even think about that at the time because I didn't, I didn't look up from where you were from. But um, it didn't sound like the typical zombie book and that's what drew me to it and um initially because plagues to me are scary and when, contagions when, when are did scary. you start reading these books i'm not sure at least five years ago so oh. yeah they're about eight years old the original ones are so yeah and i think i found them like a few years after you, you had written them and i just mowed through them they're huge page turners i i love them well i'm just glad we you know didn't have a pandemic and <laughs> Yeah, well, that was so. the The follow up series starts like as the plague is happening, and I literally finished the draft the day that the um, the cruise ship got quarantined. Yeah, yeah. And my sister was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Because she was beta reading it, and I I considered not releasing it at all because of that. But the, my beta reader said, "No, no, you have to release it," and it really was like extremely hard to continue that series because of what was happening around us. That was one of my questions, because how did, how did the pandemic affect the writing of your novels? I mean, I, I think they're great. I think there's still a hunger for them. I certainly gobbled it up. And I, I thought the um, those that trilogy of books were some of the scariest that you've written. They were really frightening. And I, I'm not sure why that they, they were just man, they had my anxiety up. <laughs> they really, really did. I'm not sure if it's because there were so many unknowns about what could befall your your characters as they were journeying through what they were doing. I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, they were they were those were freaky. <laughs> those were really scary. Yeah, it was. I think it has more to do with the time we're in. Like, I wonder if in ten years they'll really be as scary to somebody because of what we're living through right now. You know, if it'll have the same impact, I'm curious. It's we'll a see. good. It's a good question because who know? I'm worried about what the next ten years will bring. So, <laughs> and I'm worried sure. about even COVID nineteen mutating into something else. Which I, I mean, I I think the chances of that are probably you know something more, far more deadly. Um, it just I don't know. It just sort of seems like we're on the precipice of something. I I don't know what, but something bad. <laughs> well, the fact that people can't even follow basic rules to stop an infection like wearing a stupid mask worries me yeah but the thing is that people forget we have been dealing with plagues since you know we were primates and literally since we had civilizations people have been breaking quarantines yeah they have yeah. so it's like people think that this is a brand new thing but it, it truly isn't there were people i mean we just deal with it differently now back in you know during the Black Plague, people were locked in their houses or yes. executed. Or, I mean, <laughs> even you look in the Bible and even um, 
leprosy was treated by socially isolating the people that were contagious. They knew about contagion. They they did these things. We just don't stone people to death anymore <laughs> for breaking quarantine. Yeah. The, so, so we've always been bad at plagues is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's just more of us now and more opportunity to spread now. So we have jetliners and boats and things to take it more places so very quickly that's yeah yeah the world is more connected due to globalization Mm -hmm. yeah i guess there's this thought of me thinking that well we understand germ theory or we have a working knowledge of germ theory surely that would make us smarter about how we deal with infections and contagions but clearly not i mean we're still operating on all our lizard brains or most of us are (laughs) well that's i mean look at how recently though that i mean we've known about contagions in some form for thousands of years but germ theory has only been like accepted as a mainstream medical practice for about 150 years which isn't that long no that's true yeah that's true it feels like forever it feels like it should be longer but yeah you're right that isn't very long in in the grand scheme of things i think the first go ahead Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say when you're talking about, you know, places that have up till now relied on basically not germ theory on uh, like folk medicine, Mm -hmm. some of which works really well and some of which doesn't. It's hard to break through to those people that think, you know, not opening a window is going to prevent you from getting a cold or, you know, it's it takes generations to break through that. That's true. Yeah, that is true. I didn't even think about that. And now the folk remedies are spread through TikTok and social media. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my exactly. god. Is that is that what the ivermectin is? It's a new version of folk folk medicine or Well, a- yeah. It's it's also a way to rebel against the system of, you know, I don't want to take the vaccine, so I've got this other uh, this I'm smarter. It, it's I think it's that kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, why do you, why do you think people are reticent about vaccines? I mean, aside from um, what am I trying to say here? Uh, autism. Like yeah, aside <laughs> yeah. from the political issues, or why do people, I mean, I know they're why, I guess I kind of know why people distrust vaccines, but just, there were a lot of people that have been taking vaccines for, for years, and suddenly this vaccine, they're like, no, 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 this is not the vaccine. I'm not going to trust it. I think part of it is the widespread nature of it. Like, for example, when we were, I don't want to give away your age, but when we were um, growing up, there wasn't a chicken pox vaccine, right? And yeah. And that happened, yeah. you know, when we were in college, I think, or maybe a little bit later, is when the chicken pox vaccine came out. And it wasn't such a huge deal because, A, it's re- rarely deadly, mm-hmm. and B, it wasn't hugely widespread, like everybody didn't have to go get it at once. Yeah. And now, mm-hmm. this is a brand new vaccine, and like even I, I I mean I took the I'm fully vaccinated I will be getting my booster my kids are getting vaccinated I'm not anti-vaxxer at all but even I had questions when I went in like is this a live vaccine am I going to infect my kids when I go home and they didn't do a very good job explaining like just the mechanics of the vaccine even and what to expect and partially because they didn't know Mm -hmm. you know there are I mean, it's a huge test in addition to like all the tests they did before are great. And that's why I trusted it. But this is a it's kind of like, you know, a new video game where you you test it 
and then you do a server test and there's just millions of people getting it all at once and things can go wrong just because of the numbers and thank god they didn't but i think people were expecting that in the beginning mm-hmm. and then once once they set themselves up as that stance it's it's part of their like identity now okay and to divorce themselves from that is to say i was wrong and that part of me is being like shut off and that's really hard to do for anybody yeah we people have a hard time saying they're wrong or admitting mistakes i mean most people one of my friends um and he's been on the pod uh i i don't we haven't really talked about it but i'm pretty sure he's an anti-vaxxer but i think it's it's not because he's a trump supporter he's just doesn't trust the government Mm -hmm. and he just has an innate kind of gen x i don't trust the government i think there's something else going on when the pandemic first started, he thought it was the beginning of some, I don't know, like some event that was happening. Like, I, or that it, I think he thinks it was, you know, engineered in China. Planned. Planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's not a dumb guy, but he's a very smart guy. But, you know, he, he I, I don't know, that's something we don't agree on. So we don't even talk about it because we would probably get into a fight. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my brother's very left, but he also doesn't, he doesn't want the vaccine. He, the, the difference, though, that I've found between folks on the left who won't take the vaccine and po- folks on the right who won't take the vaccine is that the folks on the left will do the other things. They'll socially distance, mm-hmm. they'll mask up, they'll wash their hands, you know, they'll try to mitigate in other ways. And I haven't seen so much willingness to do that on the right. And that might be just me, like who I'm. No, no I think it's true. With, I, I've seen but. that here in our own community here in the Midwest, too, where people are just, they are. Like, no, no, I don't need to wear a mask. I can just walk around. Nothing's going to hurt me. And if it does, then it must be my fault. Because there is an attitude of, of like, if and I, that's almost, that kind of goes back to like centuries. Like, if you get a contagion, you must have done something to deserve getting that contagion. Well, right. there, there's or all, you're, you know, you're just a weakling and that's why you died from it or something. I think there's also this issue of masculinity and this idea of getting a vaccine is compliance with it you're you're submitting your your you know you're demasculating yourself or are even wearing a mask yeah i there is a lot of that this is the joe rogan thing um i hate joe rogan (laughs) (laughs) they've made it part of their identity to not do so so it's a tribal identity yeah yeah to back off from that is to divorce themselves from that identity so we've done a really shitty job of educating people in general on how the vaccine works and why it won't hurt you or why it's probably I, one of the safest vaccines I think we've had because it's an mRNA, which means it's the messenger uh, DNA part of it. It's not a live vaccine. Right. It's not live. So there's no... Right. It is not live. It's not live. It's literally the inert part of the uh, virus, and it gets your your body's immune system to recognize when you, when you do encounter actual COVID to fight it off. Because we don't right, have a cre- natural... Create your an- own antibodies. Exactly, because... And I'm not yeah. sure that people understand that when you have a novel virus like this one is, it's not like the flu. When the flu was novel, it killed off a bunch of people too. So I'm not sure that that, that has always been explained well. And I've had issues with some of the messengers. I, I think there <laughs> was... they've been a little... Um, to me, they've been... When the vaccine... When, when the pandemic first started, there was a lot of unknowns. And it was kind of sold, at least to me, watching the news, is that this is 
deadly. We're, yeah. We're, most of us are probably right. going to die from this. That's the way the coverage was. So they oversold it. They oversold it. And then when that didn't happen, a lot of people were like, eh, it's, it's nonsense. It's not that bad. Yeah. Or it's just the flu, <laughs> you know? And then that, that sort of, I feel like that sort of happened with the Delta variant as well. But mm-hmm. then, but then there was a mandate for people to get a vaccine and then the numbers came down. So, you know. I mean, I took it seriously from the beginning. I'm not saying I'm one of yeah. those people. I wore a mask, and I'm shocked they didn't get it, though, because I went everywhere, but I was wearing a mask. And then I got the vaccine as soon as it was available. Well, we found out that the COVID, COVID isn't as um, catchable from surfaces, from touching things, as something like the flu or the cold. Those are much more communicable right. from surfaces. So that's probably one reason that you didn't catch it. And we were oh, just, and then in the beginning, they said, you you, you you can get it just anything. You can touch. Yeah, yeah. They were really freaking people out. And I do blame them. The right. media has a responsibility in scaring people than I think making this a problem. Like they do with a lot of things because it's 24-hour news and they have a product to sell. And so the product is typically fear. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, because that keeps you coming. I mean, it keeps me coming back. Like, I, I mean, I was up nights for months yeah about this and we didn't go at like we still don't go anywhere like yeah. literally anywhere and like we go shopping once a month for groceries we're still in that phase still high around here but i, I do think we're overreacting but i have kids so yeah no <laughs> i yeah my immune system is kind of compromised so i i totally get it i don't we don't go out to a lot of things i'm nervous around other people because I don't know if they're vaccinated and I don't know if they're taking it seriously. Like in my, my area, a lot of people do, they're not socially distancing. There's no mask mandates. They're just running around. And so it makes me feel really unsafe to put myself out there Mm -hmm. in the community just to even take a walk or exercise. So like my body and mental health have just really taken a toll from (laughs) being stuck inside yeah, uh, for sure. For far too long. We go to the movie theater though, and that that for a long time we wouldn't do that. No, so. we wouldn't do that. And I feel safer going to the movie theater. We do wear a mask in there. We take them off when we're in our seats, but then we're socially distanced. And I feel relatively. They do safe. a lot of cleaning though. Yeah. it's it's gotten pretty good with that. But you know, again, you never know. So who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we're. The thing is, you never know. Anyway, I mean, there's already we're focusing on one virus that's out there. Yeah, but there are so many that are already out there that every day is a risk and you have to like decide what's worth the risk and what's not and i think that's where a lot of people are at (laughs) some people are just tired i think and they're like yeah i'm done i don't want to deal with this anymore i'm I'm fucking done (laughs) i can't handle it i mean we've that's a good point because i know there's a bunch of new uh viruses or new ish viruses that have been affecting children small children like there's an rsv virus and um yep there's there's another there's one. There's also can... this thing that's going on with the what they call the Havana syndrome, which some people think is hysteria and some people think is a real thing. So, okay, so explain to Deirdre what is Havana syndrome. It's this, it's the thing we were talking about the other day with Adam, where the yes, but we haven't posted that yet. So, that's uh, the the Cuba diplomats. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. And they have these. Okay. It's it's almost like a Gulf War syndrome type thing with. Uh, like, but but somehow it's connected to the Russians with Putin. I, I would not be surprised if Putin and also, um, oh, who's the asshole over in China? That guy too is screwing I, around with dip- diplomats. I don't know. I I feel, I feel like I'm going to screw up his name, so I don't want to. There's G. an well. There's an open case. President G. Yeah. 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 And there's an uh, there was an open case of this. I think it was in the UK, wasn't it? Where one of their diplomats was attacked. Yes. With the same technology. Now. 
there is a question of whether this COVID is man-made or not. I do think that's a legitimate... Well, holy shit. I mean, where it was found was the lab was literally called, what, COVID-19? <laughs> and The lab? Yeah, there was a lab in... Um, oh, shit. Now I can't think of the... Uh, in Wuhan. In Wuhan. Wuhan, yeah, the Wuhan lab. Yeah, and it was... John Stewart was talking about this, and, and I actually trust John Stewart to not bullshit me too much, so... Even though he's a comedian, that's what's kind of funny. I think he's more honest than a lot of uh, journalists. <laughs> Maybe that's just my bias. <laughs> but yeah, there was a lab called like COVID nineteen, uh, Wuhan. Like, but we also had like a, a CDC center set up in Wuhan because a lot of things keep cropping up in Wuhan. And there was another like SARS because this is a SARS COVID right. virus, and that happened during the Bush administration, Bush two. And they locked yeah, it I down. Was, I was in Thailand during that, actually. No shit. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, and they were, I remember the media was like, we're all going to die. Bird flu is out here. And, you know, us being in America, we're like, whatever. You know, because I think, I think our faith in that these things will be contained is pretty, was pretty absolute until just recently. Like, why I, did this get here? What I want to know, because I've looked at the history of plagues, and it seems to me like plagues tend to originate from that part of the world. And, you know, the discussion around this, when you say that, it, it some people, I think, think you're being racist, and I, it has nothing to do with the people, it's just the geography of it. I wonder why that is. Why does most plagues come from that part of the world? And well, I think it's, it's probably to do with the oldest trade routes go from yeah. the Middle East mm -hmm. to Asia and back, and that extended into Europe. So you're you not only do you have a lot of a lot more population, a lot more people to spread, but you're traveling along the Silk Road to yeah. thousands of other towns and just spreading it along that route. And do you think the so number have, oh sorry. Oh let's go ahead. Do you think the number of like exotic species of, of, of plant life, um animal life, like things that you could trade is greater, I guess, in in that region because it's just so vast, like the area of China that encompasses um, China. <laughs> what am I saying? Uh, it's big. How big China is? Uh, there's a lot of plants and animals that are naturally occurring there, and then also through trade as well, like you were saying. I don't yeah, wonder if that a, has something to do with it. You have massive biodiversity because you're talking about a region that stretches from like the arctic circle down to the tropics like there's a yeah. huge biodiversity of habitat there so yes i would imagine part of it comes from that and part of it comes from not only that but mixing things from farther west right so humanity and, mingling you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just you when you have a lot of people gathering in one spot you're going to have a lot of mutations of things that otherwise might be benign or even it's the same thing with um like colonization you know the other way we we brought or yeah we, europeans brought diseases that native peoples in australia and america and africa never experienced before so we had a resist we the europeans had a resistance to it but the people they encountered had zero resistance so it was going to sweep through there yeah smallpox in particular is the, yeah the, the most deadly the blankets and there's even a question was uh, syphilis actually brought from south america where they had a more natural immunity to that disease back over to europe and other places as well yeah right so you're you're bringing livestock that was never on that continent <laughs> back 
back with you, it's going to cause problems. Yeah, and syphilis was like pretty deadly when it first arrived. It was deadly. I don't think people understand that. It wasn't like when we think of the Victorian era where your nose would fall off. <laughs> that fucked up shit, but like, no, no, this would kill you, and it affected like this is Italy. The, this and, is the kind of thing, though, that it's perfect for fear mongering about immigration. If you think about yes. it, yes, oh, yeah, you're right, because it's like they're going to bring disease. Mm, that's often said, and they did say yeah. that about uh, uh, Jewish peoples too during uh, the Holocaust. Well, they also said this about you know China recently because of what happened with COVID nineteen. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, but what we what we neglect to talk about is that in our travels, we are also carrying yes. yeah, they, our native diseases <laughs> to other places. Our so. gross germs. We're bringing our gross yeah. germs white, to everywhere else. White people don't carry disease. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure what was the cool. first? <laughs> from from my understanding, the, the first uh, recorded plague was in 430 BC Athens. I don't know if that's true or not. I get I've looked it up. I've done some of the research, and it. But that's, I think, one of the first recorded plagues. I'm sure there was plenty before that, but we have no record of them. You know, it's right. That's the written history is not that yeah. old. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you can kind of tell somebody's politics now by their position on COVID nineteen, and that's to me a sign of something's wrong with the society that now. Our health is a political position, or, or it's been politicized. Just wearing a mask is a political symbol now, mm-hmm. or a va- getting a vaccine. Yeah, and that's like a not a tenuous. I mean, it's like you can't keep doing that. No, it's, it's not. It's going to backfire on everybody. That's it's, and it's not just the people that refuse to wear masks and refuse to vaccinate that are going to be at risk. It's everybody. Yeah, because it could keep mutating and then yeah. the vaccine just won't work and they're going to have to do this all over again. Well, we go through again. this cycle. We've gone through this cycle since last year where the numbers go down mm-hmm. and then people start going back out and, you know, they 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 let their guard down and then it goes back up. And it's just, this is this ebb and flow and this is what's, this is why we're in this kind of malaise, I call it, with the... the pandemic why we can't overcome it is because people still not getting vaccinated and also people just letting their guard down and that's i think that's causing a lot of pent-up anger and discontent in society right now um and that's part of the problem and not not to get too political but i think that's part of the problem with the biden administration and their problems is they just people expected it to be over and it's mm-hmm. not. And it's not fair to them because, you know, people won't wear a mask and won't but wear But they mask. could do a better job in educating. I think none of the governments have really done a good yeah. job, to be honest. I mean, yeah, this isn't this isn't just the U.S. I mean, we focus on the U.S., but yeah. if you look at Australia, if you look at the U.K., if you look at Israel, they're all having problems. Even the places that did vaccinate highly, they're still having problems with people relaxing too much because yeah. no vaccine's 100%, so it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I think it was New Zealand. They were bragging that they had no cases, and the moment they let people back in... Then they, <laughs> of then course they, they did, because they, they brought cases, the germs. And yeah. that was it. The germs so. brought it. And then the thing with Australia, they, they did a really good job with, with the lockdowns, but then they didn't order enough vaccine, and then mm-hmm. some of the vaccine that they ordered was the one that was freaking people out. It was, I don't, I think it was AstraZeneca. Johnson Johnson? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. I think they had AstraZeneca and not enough of the uh, Pfizer and Moderna. So then they went through another year of lockdowns and then more like batshittery about not, the vaccines and social distancing and pe- people just being sick of that. Like, 
I don't want to stay inside. This is the second year you're asking me. They were, I mean, they've been giving people money, but um, yeah, the government's really screwed that up. That the second year part of it. So you're you're right about that. Um, well, and that's so that when we're talking about societal collapse, that's what's going to happen as far as that's what's going to cause this plague or another plague to be different from others and cause societal collapse is a government lack of response and okay. it's unfortunately global lack of because people have yeah. people have responded to plagues before and their societies have been fine it's when the government fails to alleviate they fail to uphold their side of this the social contract that's when the collapse happens it's not the actual epidemiology of the plague. I think, yeah. I think it's that. And I also think the difference is now there's social media and the misinformation yeah. spreads much quicker now. And you have people online. That's like a virus. Yeah. Well, the memes are like a virus, you know, and, and the way stuff spreads through social media is like a virus. Viral. That's literally a term viral, you know. Right. Are there any instances in uh, history where plagues have have contributed to societal collapse? I can't think of any yes, off the top of my yes, head. Yes. I'm sure there are. <laughs> yeah, um, there, there are plenty, but they're not all necessarily people plagues either. I mean, there's food chain plagues. Yeah. Been the worst, you know, the, so. Right. We talk the, about the cold. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I was, I had, okay. had a thought. I was thinking of the famine and then that leads into the French Revolution. That's yes, one, one that's facet happened, of it. Yeah. Yes. And that's happened repeatedly through history and not, not, even that far long ago, it's, I mean, the, the Arab Spring a couple of years ago, that revolution started because of food insecurity. Yeah. And that was because of a famine and a drought. I didn't know and that. That's, yeah. Yep. That's kind of what triggered the, you know, the decline of that. It's also the same thing, like the potato famine in Ireland. Yes. It's, yes. Well, you and they had a lack of biodiversity. So I think England exactly. had way more uh, strains of potatoes. And then Ireland was like, mm, you just have this one strain, make do. <laughs> well, not only that, they had to, because they were basically serfs at that point, they had to export all of their other goods yes. to pay taxes, to pay their landlords. So they were all relying on this one species of potato to be the main source of calories. So we don't talk about that as a collapse because there was already somebody else in control, mm -hmm. but that was a collapse. That the, was, the yeah. They lost emigrated. a lot of people and a lot of, a ton of yes. deaths. I, I, I want to, was it up into the millions? Like mm -hmm. they, I mean, a ton of people died in Ireland and then people died in the crossing coming here and right. basically selling themselves oh, into bondage. They genocide. Yeah. It's, it's because, because the people in power who were in charge of Ireland were, they didn't care. They had money. No, had in food. fact, exports of food went up during the blight, during the potato famine. The, the exports of food that those people could use went up to the rest of Europe rather than for them to keep it and uh -huh. feed themselves. And we're having a problem now with inflation. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And gas and all these, you know, natural. Put our move on hold. I'm really irritated about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, there seems to be a thing of like uh, a correlation. There's like, uh, you know, lack of, there's famines. And then there's also just a dwindling of resources. And that tends to be two of the key things that happen in a societal collapse or collapse of civilizations. That I've noticed and during the research. You were also mentioning something about um, 
not people's IQs, but their cognitive decline. Yes. So there is this idea that societies reach a point where they just decline culturally, creatively, and that it's like they go as far as they can go. And then there's a malaise sets in and then you have uh, internal strife and that these all kind of feed off of each other. Um, but I thought that was really uh, there's interesting. A, yeah, ahead. there's a theory about how um, wealth inequality leads to that because you you invest in your society as far as education and art and infrastructure for a long time until the people at the top start saying, why are we doing this? We've had it good all this time. You know, we don't have to mm-hmm. invest in education and everything anymore because the workers all know what they need. Mm-hmm. They stop investing so people start I don't want to say getting stupider because it's not the people's fault. But they do get dumber. No, I know. I know what you mean, though. It's like it's like stop getting as educated or spending as much time on even. Yeah. Even with local education. I mean, my mom was a teacher for over 20 years and we noticed this just growing up through the 80s and how as that first recession through like Reagan and how, how that how detrimental that was even on education then. And we've just been watching it you know, cycle through and and less and less and less. There's no reading programs. I mean, there used to be reading teachers. That's what she was originally a reading teacher. It's austerity. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really where it comes down to. Yeah. Because we're prioritizing how people can make money for other people rather than, (laughs) rather than like continuing to develop our society where we're putting capitalism at the forefront which has happened multiple times in the past as well it's that's and then when people realize that their life is awful they stop working and start fighting the people who are in control yeah and i I would even argue the the uh american revolution stemmed from something like that i mean you had yeah rich landowners over here but they were fucking tired of paying taxes for like a window well if you wanted to put a window in your house you had to pay the crown extra money (laughs) i learned that from diana gabaldon by the way (laughs) last year we had uh the stimulus checks and 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 this year as well and then we had the this unemployment uh people got in unemployment i got unemployment and a lot of people though i think during this time realized they were getting screwed yeah and that's why you know you have people waking up to the fact that the system treats them as robots who work pay bills and then die and not even enough to get by. Like, it's, here, work your three jobs. It's a sad and unfulfilling experience right. if you're completely starves. disconnected from what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and part of the reason we started this podcast is I wanted to do for an occupation something creatively filling. Because um, I, and that sounds like a first world thing, you know, but it's, I feel like, you know, there's something you're, I'm not a spiritual person, but there's something happens to the soul if you're just, existing and not living and you're you're not being creatively fulfilled you know this because you write books you're a creative person (laughs) yeah 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 you're (laughs) and i i don't think it's a first world problem i think it's a worldwide especially now a worldwide issue where we are treating people as cogs in a machine and people that have so we're kind of Again, I don't want to age us. Oh, you can age us. That's totally we're fine. fine. We're kind He's of it out of the that ship has sailed. <laughs> we're kind of the last generation whose parents believed that if you spent 
a ton of money on your education. If you studied really hard, if you worked really hard, you were going to get ahead. It didn't matter yes. what else happened in your life. Yes. You were going to end up okay. That was drilled and, into my head growing and up. And my too. Mm-hmm. Like, in fact, my father now apologizes to me sometimes because he's seen that it doesn't work like that anymore. So our kids or a kids of that generation are starting to realize that this doesn't work like this anymore. We can't do this. And that's why I think we've become this gig economy. We're trying desperately to make our creative selves fulfilled while we support ourselves with whatever we can to get by. And that's, I mean, it is, I think the whole world is like this crying out for more creative endeavors where, I mean, we are, we have so much automation. Yeah. There is, and there are so many jobs that are literally unnecessary because they just add middle steps to things. We should not have to work these types of busy work jobs to exist. And we are starting to realize that, I think. But when I go, when I go to the grocery store, I always use the automated uh, checkout because to me, that's what it should be. Uh, you know, it, to me, it's, I mean, it's a form of rebellion in a stupid way, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, it's just like, this is who should, we, people shouldn't have to work crappy jobs, you know, in the 21st century. And I think right. part of the problem is we're still operating under a 20th century mindset s- mindset in a in a world that's that's left that behind in terms of the zeitgeist. In terms of the internet has changed the way people look at these things. Yeah, it's like if I can talk to, I mean, we're talking to you across the country. But uh, yeah, we're still relying on trucks to get us stuff from overseas because we don't make anything here. Yeah. <laughs> well, even, but I mean, even that could be automated. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it, it can. It uh, can the problem is that we have, we are still based in a structure where we have to work to earn a living. So if we instead said, okay, everybody deserves to be fed at least you know, here's the money to get fed and then everything else, you know, can be automated to the point that nobody wants to, where no one wants to work those jobs. Those people can go do something else. But we are stuck with this right now, this extra population that was underserved by our by our country that, that doesn't have the skills because their education lack to get a different type of job or doesn't have the opportunity because they're busy trying to feed themselves yeah, and yeah. they can't go find another job because missing a week of work even is just absolutely devastating. Well, and trying to get a job is even harder. You have robots basically yeah. deciding if you're going to have a job or not. And I could, I mean, I remember in the nineties, I could get a job nineties and early two thousands. I could, I could talk my way into almost anything. <laughs> when you did a job, if you could talk to somebody, if I could talk to somebody, yeah, I could, I could work wherever. Ba- <laughs> and the jobs that are easy to get, like Amazon, mm-hmm. you don't want to get. You don't, yeah. I worked at Amazon. It was not awful. fun. They're yeah. awful. They make you uh, yeah. pee in bottles and hearing loss and all kinds of horrible it's things that are happening. It's very lonely. It's uh, that you're. They it, treat you like a robot, but you're not a robot. Producing yeah. because you're always just go, 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 go. And you're. you're and you're, you're not rewarded for that. And they, they're actually finally hitting a problem where they have had so much turnover because before they looked at human beings as a commodity that they're now running out of human beings who want to be a commodity anymore. And I think part of that was from COVID and then getting it the was, stimulus. I think and the pandemic, the pandemic actually really opened up a lot of people's eyes. I'm glad it did. Um, 
but yes, yeah, I, 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 it took a huge disease, but <laughs> yes, it was time for something to change. Well, there's theories. I mean, there's a, there's a website that I, I visit. I, there's the, it's this thing called the future timeline, and it's there's articles on there that try to say this speculation and prediction of what will happen. And I think in like 2050, 2060, you start seeing people being more, the jobs are more creative and people have more free time. And mm-hmm. now hopefully this is the way it turns out, not the opposite. And most people I talk to, they think, oh no, it's going to be the opposite. Well, it's kind of like that in Denmark, right? Some of those countries where they're already doing that, they have, there's no like huge wealth inequality, like big wealth gap. Like if you want to work more, if you want to get more education, you can make a little bit of extra money. If you don't want to, that's also fine, but you're not going to starve and you're not going to be homeless. Yeah. Right. And I think that people are scared to let that happen and it needs to happen like it does we're scared need to happen that nobody's yeah. gonna want to you know do some of these uh, really labor intensive jobs but i know plenty of people and would probably be one myself where if i knew how to build a house i would be out there building a house same right now. same because like, i love to know how to do things and i like doing things yeah, with my hands I, but if you gave I me a good reason a for it yeah if you gave me like a good incentive for it and and, and i didn't feel like I was being taken advantage of, or it was just for a paycheck. People will do things. I mean, it's yeah. more of that collective thinking, I think. And that comes through in your books, too. Well, I think there's a difference between being lazy and just somebody uh, excelling better at a different kind of job, you know? Like, yeah. like, for example, I work really hard writing this podcast, um, but that's because I'm passionate about it. And if you're right. passionate about something, whether it's, you know, you're a carpenter, you're passionate, mm-hmm. you can do it great, you know. We watch all these reality shows of people making things. At least, I mean, they they make a lot of these things. And I, those are the kinds I like to watch where people create something. And I love watching the passion behind that, whether it's building a house, whether it's uh, fixing up old cars or old, old, just old things and bringing them back to life, whatever it is. Um, there's there's something really fulfilling even just watching other people live that. And I want some of that myself in my own there's life. There's no such thing as hard work to me if I'm enjoying what I'm doing. If, I, if I'm if i invested in it, then yeah. I'll work as hard as I possibly can. Well, you feel a sense of accomplishment yes, afterwards. and that's important. <laughs> and I think that's the thing is I think these people are working really hard jobs, but they're not feeling accomplishment because they're detached from right. it. And mm-hmm. that's kind of a Marxist you know, view of it, but... I do think there's an element of truth in that. Well, he wasn't all wrong. No, I mean, but I think the idea, yeah, the means of production and, you know, you're disconnected from what you're doing. It's it's an assembly line job. Yeah. And you're just stamping, you know, that that's not fulfilling. And retail is like that. I mean, Michael and I have both been in retail. I think almost everyone's oh, worked retail. It's yeah. soul destroying. <laughs> it is soul destroying. It's horrible. I mean, you get yeah. your overlords. I thought it would be better when I became a manager and I would have more control. And it was like, no, I just have more overlords and I have less control. And then our company kept getting sold it was like tommy hilfiger and it was this outlet store and it kept getting sold it got sold twice i believe while i was there and uh what they did is they they gave us even less hours and they increased how many uh sales that they wanted us to make make, and i could not do it they had me doing like five people's other jobs i was getting nervous breakdowns almost every weekend and I was really trying to look out for the employees that were under my care because they were being taken advantage of. They were younger people. And yep. we had one girl who was pregnant and um, our <laughs> district manager was like, she was having, I was pretty sure it was Braxton Hicks, but I have never been pregnant. And I also am, you know, I wasn't her. It was a high risk pregnancy. And I'm like, I'm not going to take right. that chance. So it would have left the store with just me alone in it. And, you know, that's like a no, no. And 
retail land because apparently if you're alone you're just gonna thieve everything from the fucking store (laughs) (laughs) anyway i had to make this argument like you know the ambulance is coming to get her her family's coming to get her do you want to be liable if something goes wrong with her pregnancy here and then they shut the hell up and she went and got help and i waited for another manager to come and and help me close the store but it was that kind of shit i mean it's just i think that was the the end of it for me i was like i can't do this job anymore <laughs> like i watched that happen and and just how horrible and, and the stuff they would say about like you know w- this is another i guess i'm getting on a tangent where like you know women in the workplace pregnancy and different challenges that we face and there's a lot of women that have left the workplace because of covid having to take care of their families and that's i mean that's just another fact well, it's like i was fairly. saying the other day there's no such thing as a woke corporation or progressive <laughs> corporation it's just it's not about that with them no they just, that's just branding yeah that's, that's branding yeah they yeah. want to make money they're like oh, oh yeah that that's that's a good one the, that's a good cause to jump on the problem is is that the standard of living in the united states has increasingly deteriorated over time mm-hmm. and is only accelerated in the 21st century the, the it's it's getting worse. Well, yeah, I mean, maternity rates. For some people, right. that's the problem. The, the, yeah. the average for person. Some mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but when democracy fails to provide people with the basic necessities yeah. for its citizens, then Healthcare. they give up on democracy, <laughs> and that is what is happening, and that's the danger we face. That's why a part do of the they class. always lean into fascism, though? What is with people? Because it's rooted in populism, and there's an element of populism that somehow it leans more into the lizard brain. Because they're promising to uphold the social contract. I see. Yeah. They're okay. promising you that you're going to be safe, that you're going to be, you're going to have a good job, security, you're be fed, mm-hmm. and the people that you don't like are going to be gone. That's what they're promising. And they're blaming oh, them. Oh, and so they'll pun- they'll punish the people. And it's also upholding yes. the traditions. I see the religious traditions. Mm-hmm. All these things that have become ingrained in the culture. The ideals. Yes. What well, whatever people think of why they, what made a country good in the first place. Or why they had it better it's why in other generations. It's why you see overlap between some of the left-wing populism and the right-wing right. populism. There's yeah, a, those dovetail there's, completely. There's a horseshoe effect that mm-hmm. happens there. Um, and yeah, that's and it's, scary. <laughs> it's so we're, yeah, because we're, we're seeing our system fail people. And because it's been so long since anyone's lived under another system... It looks attractive to people. Yeah, people don't know their history either. They don't remember right. how bad that was. And, you know, right. before World War II really became the conflict it did, we had a fuck ton of fascists in the United oh, States. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure my, my maternal grandfather was a uh, Hitler supporter. Because, he, he was Nazi adjacent. Oh, oh yes. Because <laughs> I, I grew up hearing these stories about how my grandfather was for uh, making German the national language. I could never figure this out. For like 20 years, I could not figure this out until I got into my 30s. And I'm like, oh, grandpa was a Nazi. <laughs> or a fascist. Or fascist. Like, you know, or he thing. was he was leaning into that. And, and you know, they had a, a big Nazi rally at Madison Square Garden. Oh, yeah. And I think, but that he was, was a part the of that. <laughs> no, and I think he was a part of that. He grew up in Ottawa, Kansas, which is outside of um, Lawrence or College Town in Kansas City and that kind of thing. But um, mm. so it was rural. They grew up on a farm. But he was an educated man. He was supposed to be a doctor. And again, another person who was uh, kind of hurt by the system, the the depression happened. 
and he couldn't become a doctor yeah, he, because there was he, no money. He would have been one of those people who wanted. So he was always bitter his entire life. Wanted Charles Lindbergh to be president. Probably, <laughs> yeah, I bet he was. They were they were like lifelong Republicans. I think it was my mom that that bucked that tradition when she went to yeah, school. Yeah, but it's weird because Republican kind of meant something. Different. It did mean something yeah, I mean, different. It was yeah, conservative in some ways, but not. It what meant it they means took now. care of farmers, and he didn't even want to be a farmer. It was his father that was, and his life was supposed to. He was supposed to be a doctor, and so I I feel like fascism for him was very attractive because it was kind of a similar thing. Like this was promised. I didn't get this promise and I had to do something I fucking hate, which is farming and um, watch my children be thin and almost starve because it doesn't, it's not a good, it's not working. It's not yeah. working. Yeah. Even back the, the, in the fifties. The, the sad thing is that if he had gotten his wish, if, if somebody uh, fascist had gotten into power he would probably have thrived. And that's like, <laughs> oh, that's honestly, true. <laughs> well, I mean, my, my husband kept telling me because I had a really hard time with the last administration, like really, 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 really Oh, I, I did too. Yeah. You and me and, both. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and um, for four years, my husband kept saying, you know, it's really sad, but we would be okay. And that's not enough for me. So obviously, or him be clear he's michael said the same thing either, no michael but, said he's like you know we're we're okay i mean you and i yeah we're part of we're part of the society that it will probably be okay we're because, not kids in cages right because right. We're, we're white and we live we're not like we live in a kind of middle class area i wasn't and stuff. decimated by the trump economy uh but i still hated donald right. trump so but yeah. i wasn't helped and by it either i mean no but but it, there are people that there are probably hundreds of thousands of people that did better, that are willing to overlook the bad crap. And that is how fascism sticks around. Well, because all of those people that are willing to overlook the bad stuff because they were okay with the good stuff. And the problem you know? is now is that, okay, so if things don't work out under Biden or whoever, your only other choice is going to be a far-right candidate, whether it's Trump or right. somebody else. And you're going to go right back into that. That's the... the the Overton window has shifted. Yeah, the paradigm so, has so, shifted, yeah. and that's and they they don't believe in democracy anymore. The other side has given up. No. Mm -hmm. So that's yes. it. They're they're just not going to accept democracy. So if they're in the control of deciding who won the election, they're you know that's just the way it is. I'm even nervous if you well, could. And unfortunately, uh, they are in control. Yeah, they will be. Whether they whether they do it legally or not, I, I think they're willing to do it not legally. We are facing like probably a fight. Yeah. In the next election. The Civil War, like, which well, I thought was yeah. coming. We've got minority rule happening right now in Georgia and in Texas, where they are gerrymandering the shit out of those states worse than ever before. They're gonna retake the House and the Meaning, Senate yeah, next year. So trying to That's going to happen. Trying to let Congress people and uh, senators from those districts this time around in twenty twenty four, or I don't think they're up in twenty twenty two. Some of them are. No, they're not. So yeah, that that's gonna be that's gonna be really difficult. Yeah. But that's that's what I'm saying is even if even if the other side got the turnout way, 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 way up and you know, they definitively lost, even if the Republicans definitively lost, there are people now, especially since January sixth, that have seen that violence works mm -hmm. and they're going to employ it whether they do it. Because they know, weren't really punished the for it. Box or not. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
Why not? Why not? You know, why not? (laughs) It was a warm-up. They want to win. They do want to win. They want to win. The other side is like, meh, about a six. I want to (laughs) win. You know, they're not that invested in it. And most people don't take it that seriously. To be fair, I'm not willing to shoot somebody. True. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not packing guns. Yeah, I don't have guns in my house. If you have no, you know, yeah. I don't even like. I don't even hunt, so I don't have a hunting rifle, or I don't live out. I don't live rurally, so I don't need to have like a shotgun no, or something like yet. that for you know a bear. <laughs> we we record, just to scare it off. The we property. recorded a podcast the other day with another friend. It's going to drop soon, uh, and we talked about the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse trial that's been going on. He's obviously going to get off. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, I, know maybe I, the jury's better than we think. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, there's people listening to this podcast who clearly think that he did nothing wrong and that's fine we respect their opinion um but i've i've actually shot uh the gun uh, you an know, ar-15 yeah and it's a weapon of war and i don't believe kids should have those guns on the streets at night you it know? sets a really bad precedent i mean i feel like you could apply this to anything like well i don't like my ex-boyfriend so i'm going to show up to his job and when he walks out from after work i'm going to say that i was defending my car <laughs> or some stupid shit like but that. But this That's is why the way the Civil War starts. Yeah. And this is what scares me. This is this is th- one of those things that keeps me up at night is that the America, I do think America eventually will become balkanized and then it will break up into different, you know, factions. California will be its own, you know, state, basically. Well, hell, they're their own economy. They're up to what, yeah, number six? like the sixth the biggest yeah, economy they, in the world. It was seven, now they're up to six or something. They're huge. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. That's because one reason we want to go there. <laughs> what's hap- I want to be a part of that economy. What's happened is, is people have developed their own cultures in these echo chambers. Yeah. And we're not one nation. And th- the solidarity is not there. So you've got completely different values in states. And then you've got somebody overhead saying, everybody's supposed to share all these same values. And they don't. No. And that's where the collapse can happen. I've even noticed this with my chronic illness. Like here where I live, like people look at you if you get sick it's your fault. Like you did it and you should be able to just make yourself better. Well, it's, and a, it's your that's fault. an American idea that pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But I think it's, it's worse in places that are conservative, conservative. Red yeah. States? Yeah. yeah, probably. Cause there's also a, maybe a rural thing. Yes. Too. It's a rural versus yeah. urban the, divide. Yeah. 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 It's much more because the area we live in, it's, um, it's not exactly country, but we're surrounded by farmland. So we have like big cities, but they're really spread out. Like it's called, it's the Kansas City metropolitan area. So it, it crosses over into the Missouri side. It's over in, on the Kansas side. But in between, you have these kind of suburbs and smaller areas where it is a little countrified, if that makes sense. Well, and, and remember that you're, if you are on the outskirts, that was even more rural until recently. Yes. Because, until you know, the highways so got bigger. Yeah, these people are used to not going to the doctor and yeah. not, you know, and having to rely on themselves because, you know, there was no one out there to help them. No, so. I mean, people in the 80s and 90s, like, they didn't go to Kansas City. Like, my mom, like, she was always taking us to over, uh, taking us to Overland Park, which is Kansas City. And, <laughs> and other people were like, you went to Kansas City? Like, that, that was a weird thing that we were going there. Now it's commonplace. Like, you have to travel if you want to get anything because the mainstream or Main Street is has been decimated. But... Uh, we did have more main streets, but it also kept the towns a lot more insulated. Yeah. Right. Well, because it, that's also part of the divide, too, is the city is dangerous, right? There's mm-hmm. crime in the city. There's You don't want to go to the city. You don't want your kids going to the city. That was the attitude. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. here, too. Oh, I, 
I grew up in rural Maine, so our our big city is not big at all. But it's <laughs> Portland, and that was the thing: is oh, the Portland people are practically Massachusetts people, so you don't <laughs> deal with them. Like it, has, it makes no sense, but that was how people grew up. So yeah, if you had a disability or an illness or whatever, your family took care of you. And if they didn't, that was your failure and your family's failure. That mm-hmm. was not a failure of society, even though it was. <laughs> That's not the attitude yeah. that was had. So Yeah. I mean, and I also think uh, there's been like a, uh, if you look at the statistics since the pandemic started, there's been a, a rise in crime everywhere. And that's also, I think, fueling yeah. some of this right-wing backlash or whatever we're seeing. Um, and I, you know, I, I think it was cut from the other podcast. I've said before, I when it comes to crime, I am kind of more, I think, on the right a little bit. But I still believe Black Lives Matter. I still support all that stuff. But I, I do kind of take a harsher view of crime. But... I still would never, you know, vote for these fascist people. We have. Michael wants white collar criminals, and I do too, to be put in jail yeah. rather than um, people who abuse drugs. Yeah, yeah, war on drugs yeah. is horrible. It's horrible. horrible. Yeah, because well, it, but that's that's a problem with both parties. That's not yes. even. Yeah, uh, it is. It's a it's uh, it's a it's that's bipartisan. A, <laughs> yeah, the rich people get away with everything, everything, and the poor people get away with nothing. Nothing. And yeah. That's, that's the entire system. That's you have a, a <laughs> really, you have a right wing party and a far right party. And that's what yeah. we're dealing with. You know, we have a corporate party that kind of cloaks itself in social justice and things like that. Yeah. And then we have a party and that's running the Democratic side right now. And now it's not working really beholden to one man and is is fascist, I would say, you know, or it, they want a dictator. Yeah. I th- yeah. And they want a theocracy, I think. Too. They definitely want a theocracy. Yeah, well, at least some of them. I'm not sure if that's. I don't think the corporate thing, but yeah, there's yeah. an element of the, the QAnon people, I think, wanted theocracy. Those, yeah. those you know, the war on Christmas, folks. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's why the evangelical church has supported Republicans for so long. Oh, yeah. Because they promised basically a theocracy eventually. Yeah. And, and in, in Texas, stuck with them. <laughs> in Texas, they banned abortion. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah, I, I read they something. They are upholding that part of the contract for them. I read something it's really, really frightening about that. There, a woman was doing a research paper. It was kind of anecdotal. It was on Twitter, but she just in just in the past few months, there are a bunch of little girls from like ages nine to twelve, thirteen that are pregnant and can't get abortions now because of incest and shit. And and I'm just yeah. like, what the fuck are we doing as a people? Like, what are what are we doing? This is horrible. Like, this has real world consequences i don't know where i'm going with this i'm just saying it's another one of those social contracts that that i don't think that they're keeping to us as women and as human beings but they're keeping it to like these special interests that yeah who are the loudest and most egregious and noisy people yeah around yeah I, i would say so and i but also it's like people think that Planned Parenthood is just about abortion. It's not. It's yeah. totally about like getting your pap smear and getting it's cancer screenings. That's really what it is. It's about getting your mammograms and stuff like that or STDs. STDs and it would be a whole different story and, if men could have babies. If men had uteruses and had to face like endometriosis and all the other maladies that can happen from having a uterus, um, things would definitely be different. <laughs> they would not. Yeah, yeah, Viagra wouldn't have come first. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We have Viagra before we have a cure for cancer. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Or, or P 
period pain for a, a, a yeah, boner pill. A, yeah, which we're told is normal, and it's like it's not right. normal. Like the amount of pain that you go through just for a period, it's like no, 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 that's not normal. You would, you would. <laughs> Going back to zombies for a minute, I mean, you would be surprised how many emails we get from people telling us that we're promoting a vaccine on this podcast that literally turns people into flesh-eating zombies. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't even read them off anymore because they they happen all the time. Michael reads the emails. So he he covers the email account mostly, and then I I watch for your emails. (laughs) That's that's about it. So I don't really read the emails. They believe it in LA that the homeless people are turning into zombies. So you've gotten more than one email? Oh, yeah, on this subject. I didn't know that. I thought we just had the one crazy guy. I think it's up to eight. (laughs) And this is a thing that spread through social media, and there's no basis for this at all. No. no, I, I doubt that was a part of your writing process. <laughs> so why do you? What did? What is it about zombies? What What do you like about zombies? Like, as a storytelling, you know, or contagions? What, what What's the um, appeal of that? What, what I like for me about that, and it's different for everybody, right? But for me, the scary part about zombies is actually a form of insanity. Yeah. So it's mm. losing your sanity against your will and harming the people that you love. That's the I scary think that is very scary. Yeah. And you know and we, that's Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say that's why I I wrote about them coming back and having to face the consequences of what they've done. That was because that's the but other people get you know, other people like the horde aspect where it's overwhelming numbers or the you know, just the fact that you can be torn apart by somebody. You know, there's a million reasons. There's a, to like there's a cannibalism so. element to it. It's there horror. is, yeah. yeah. And one of the things on this podcast we try to do, because we talked about a lot of serial killers, but I'm always cautious because uh, there's a tendency or it's easy, I think, to demonize the mentally ill or, or just say everybody with schizophrenia is a serial killer. And they're not. That's very rare. But... There is a component to mental illness, uh, to psychosis, that is, I think, is is very scary. A dark side to it, you're saying. There's a case that I want to talk about, about a guy who was a vampire, uh, or believed he was a vampire. And it's a sad story, because to me, it's about a guy who suffered from an extreme form of schizophrenia, and acted on those impulses and it went untreated it It was treated and then it and his mother would not did not want him to take his medication and to me he's just as much a victim as the people in the story that he killed in the real you know and that that aspect of losing control and yeah i think that's to me that's also what scares me about zombies um, I haven't read your book, sorry, uh, but mainly okay. because I've been researching so much, and, and I'm trying to read Dune right now. I can't, I'm struggling oh, to get Dune's through that. Dune's great. Yeah, yeah we, we love the movie, but I'm struggling to get through it, but I've just been reading so much about serial killers, and that, that also gets you, wears you down a little bit. Um, we try oh, to- They're page turners, Michael, I'm telling we you. We try to so good. mix it up because Stephanie- you know, if we talk about that stuff too much, it gets it. it yeah, it burns me out, and I get a little too sensitive yeah. to it. So, because it's I am sensitive, and so it, it it's like too much darkness. If that makes sense, it's like Ugh, the, I can't handle the it. The Albert Fish case was rough. That was a rough. That one. was yeah, really hard. But, yeah, <laughs> but at the same so time, I, I did. It's feel, also really sad. It's yeah, sad. it was a sad yeah. story, and that's why I want the other. I don't really want to talk about the you know just Ted Bundy's and all those kind of people. I want to talk about people who are kind of victims of their circumstance or stuff like that. That interests me more than just some guy who goes out and rapes and murders women. Cause 
I think it's, you know, that's just gross to me. And it doesn't, that's what most people want to hear, though, because we get the emails. They're like, where's Ted Bundy? Where's Ted Bundy? Where's, <laughs> where's Jeffrey Dahmer? You know, we're well, going to do it. We're going to do, do, go ahead. Th- those, so people like Ted Bundy, maybe not Jeffrey Dahmer, but probably partially Jeffrey Dahmer. People that, that make a conscious plan to go out and do this are more interesting to people because they can put themselves in their shoes because they can see themselves planning something that perfectly people that are driven to it by you know circumstances or uh, mental illness or and to be clear i i have a bipolar disorder myself so i'm not like trying no no you're you're fine you're amongst friends those people to normal functioning, I guess, like, I, I don't know how to say it, like, normal brained people are are harder to put their selves in because hmm. there's sometimes no explainable reason for that besides the reason that's in that person's head. It makes logical sense to them, but to the outside world there's no way it can because we don't think like well it's that, the so. whole evil thing and i i don't like to use right. that word because to me it's it's an oversimplification that relates to me so much about what you write write about in your books about the the cures right because some of the people who were immune look at the people who had this disease and became zombies or biters um that they're evil that they're they're just unredeemable right. they're awful that's they're the evil. way to explain it yeah. yeah it's the easiest way and the other version of that is that no they had an illness and now they don't. That changed the chemistry of their brain. Yeah. That, that was, that took away the self, like the thing we think of as us in control of our actions, as us in control of our, you know, um, planning. And I think there is something like, you know, I can't say that somebody like Albert Fish was not responsible for what he did. He absolutely was. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. But, I think at some point there was a compulsion during the process that was maybe out of his control and it was going to happen if the opportunity was there and he's still responsible. It's still his fault that it happened that he, well, there was no help at that point, but Mm -hmm. if there could have been help, would he have sought it out? I don't know. It was dialed into him. And then he also had head trauma. And this is a reoccurring thing with serial killers is head trauma. Uh, There's some evidence that Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, his mother took some kind of medication when he was in the wound. It was one of those anti-nausea medications that are now outlawed because they caused um, birth defects and babies. And we watched watched an interview with him and he had an awareness that what he, you know, what he did was wrong, but he couldn't control the compulsion. He said, if I'm released again, I will do it. I will. I know I will. You know, it's just. And that kind of, that stating that is the the extent of control that I think he probably had mm. yeah. was saying you cannot allow me to leave because I will do this again. Yeah. And that's where I would say the self in, in, in him was. Yeah. So, and then there's people like Ted Bundy who are more just, they seem to be more predatory. They just, they really enjoy it. He enjoys it. Right. I don't like, uh, to me, it's not evil. Cause I don't know if I even believe in that concept. I, Stephanie does. But it's just this guy is a predator, and he enjoys hurting people. It, the BTK killer would be another one who, you know, right down the road <laughs> right. here from where we live. <laughs> Meticulously planned every part yeah, of that. Yeah, sadist. That was, 
yeah. a sadist. Whereas there's just some guy who's kind of out of control, like Albert Fish. Or he's the, not quite in his right mind. I'm not saying he's not responsible, but they're just the vampire guy we're going to talk about. Yeah. It's just he's there's something pitiful about him as well. Like the right. guy is just because you see pictures of him when he's in high school. He's a handsome guy. He's clean cut. And then he looks like a crazed homeless person. He was um, he was uh, taking rabbits and injecting their blood into his body because he thought it would stop aliens from getting him. And it, I mean, this is he was deemed sane too. And I'm just like, he's not <laughs> sane. Not sane. <laughs> well, okay, mentioned- so there's legal definitions of sane that are not. Yeah, yeah, like you're a right. Psychological definition of sane. Like yeah. The the legal definition of sane is: Are you able to understand the consequences of your action and you know, that it was basically against the law to do this. And that doesn't, I mean, there are people that should probably not be convicted every day Oh yeah. because they can legally understand what they did, but they at the time may not have had control of themselves and they should be, uh, you know, helped. Well, <laughs> I don't know about how to, I don't know if an institution is the answer or if jail with, you know, some kind of help is the answer, but just throwing them in a cell is not going to make them better. I, no, I, it'll make them worse, I think. And and we used to have institutions, and that was one of the things. It seems that like there's just some crimes where pe- got rid people of. just go, "Well, it was so bad, it doesn't matter. Kill them, you know, or put them away. For, you know, don't don't institutionalize them. Put them in prison. It just seems like that's the way we operate. And I don't know the ethics of that are dicey. I don't know if I could, you know convict somebody I, I, if i could say somebody was saying if they some of the crimes i've looked at or we've talked about in this podcast i i'd have to say they're insane you know even if i personally but are you putting them out of their misery if they get the death penalty that's the well question. this is the albert fish debate we had mm-hmm. and i mean yeah probably but you know because <laughs> I, I do think that maybe some people can't be helped and then some could be helped and the ones that could be helped maybe not let back out to society but at least have right. some kind of quality of life I think that's maybe worth looking at. But people who are definitely just too far gone, it's probably kind to put them out. One of my ex-girlfriends. Like a rabid dog. And I may have talked about this story before on the pod. And if I do, I apologize. Um, she had a sister who had paranoid schizophrenia. And her sister one night woke, woke her up and she was standing over with a knife because the voices were telling her to stab her. She did not stab her. Thankfully, she got on her medication. I, I don't know where she is now. Maybe she's, hopefully she's fine. But, you know, to me, when they say, oh, mental illness can never, never hurt a person. Well, you know, I struggle with anxiety. It's hurting mm-hmm. me, you know. Yeah. You know or, well, even or, depression can hurt yourself because you can be suicidal. Suicidal, you're hurting yourself yeah. or self-harm. Yeah, You know, self-harm. we've talked about this mm-hmm. before and it should, it's, it should be treated. It should be managed, you know. It, it's okay. A, yeah, I think there's a, a difference between trying to remove a stigma and what actual treatment is given to people. Yeah, like and I, my background in psychology, I know the history of how the mentally ill were treated and just right. the asylums and all that. Hor- we're going to do a pod on that eventually. Ugh, but it's horrendous, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so when did you decide that you wanted to write stories about zombies? Because I feel like there was a thing that happened. And I'm not saying she this- also wrote books that were sci-fi, the XC2 novels. And we're gonna- <laughs> that is your best writing, Deidre, I have to say. And I love all of your books, but I loved those. I didn't, And you you did a bait and switch because I didn't know it was going to be horror. I'm like, oh yeah, cool, sci-fi. <laughs> and I'm opening this up and then I'm getting about like a quarter of the way in and I'm, I'm 
You're scaring the shit out of me. <laughs> I loved it. So by it's the like way. space war. Yeah, which, but it's but it's also very philosophical too. It's it's great. Which is you know like society building and things yeah, like that. Yeah. It's so good. Um, but there's I felt like there was a zeitgeist for zombies after 9/11 and dystopian sci-fi and I don't know if that's still around. It, sh- it feels like it should be coming back because we're literally living in dystopia now. <laughs> well, I think that's that's part of what's cr- contributing to a decline in the popularity because now it's real. We are living it, yeah, we we it's not I mean, there probably is still I mean, obviously there's some appetite for it, but it's I think we're going to see fewer movies if you look at that's actually movies and comic books are great for tracking literary trends as opposed to like societal trends. Oh yeah. Huh. So like during World War Two, that's when Superman happened because we needed a completely good character to fight off what we thought was a completely bad situation. Yeah. And I think you know we had that we had Batman have a resurgence in the 90s because we were able to have a more morally gray hero that you know did questionable things but got things done and now i think we're back to like the superman era so i think a lot of the stories are going to be more black and white and less you know if 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 we do see zombie movies it's going to be kill them all you know, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, yeah, not yeah. they can come back <laughs> yeah well, what a, one that. of my favorite tv shows uh which I talk about a lot is the X Files, and and when that show, when we hit nine eleven, uh, that show died because everybody was like, "No, I love the government now. You know, the government's my friend." And <laughs> I then totally trust them. And then twenty four <laughs> took off with Jack Bauer. He's going to stop the terrorist, and that's yeah. it was like a transition. Yeah, he was like beating the shit out of, of a know. terrorist There's every also other episode. Somebody, I I don't really watch these movies, but there was that's also I think when the Saw movies took off the torture porn genre of right. horror. And uh, I, you know, and then we had the zombies, you know, zombies, Walking Dead, and you know, we watched that until uh, I just couldn't watch it anymore. <laughs> yeah, we made it to season five. And yeah, it's, like, that's okay, around probably, it, probably it peaks and then it's just gone. That poor show. <laughs> Even the the Alf shoot one, the Fear of the Walking Dead, started out strong and then it went down the tubes too. Yeah, and now that there's like four or five of them. Oh like, God, why? And they just keep making them. It's like they stop. write the characters out of out of um, character. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the people don't even behave the way they're written or they're shit they were written right, in the but past again how much of that is okay this isn't connecting with the audience anymore because they're living a different situation so we have know. to change how we're portraying these people or make a different show yeah because there's, there's a thing <laughs> remember the character negan and he was like the worst villain that the show had had right. and now they're turning him into a hero and i'm like how do you yeah do we, that? i've seen some clips and i kind of follow it through social media i see stuff and it's like uh, why is this happening you know and because we are are lauding bullies right now that's why yeah because we're we're on all sides because we are ready for violence and for making the other side hurt damn it <laughs> it's yeah. tribal that's a good damn insight. awful yeah <laughs> That's, that's why, why I, you're seeing that shift. That's why I have problems with the, the cancel culture thing or just the social media mobs. Even if I agree with them, it just there's something unappealing about it. And they turn into zombies online. They just, rah, you know, and attacking. And I've been, when I first got on social media, I said something about a movie I didn't like and I got doxxed. It was ridiculous. Like, you know, and I just, where does this come from? These people, 
It's like that's all they have. It's their identity is their fandom. Well, I think part of it is people right. are isolated more than ever because because yeah. of the internet. Weirdly enough, we thought it would all bring us together. I remember that back in the day the when information the information superhighway <laughs> that ridiculous <laughs> when line. it was brand new. It was like, oh, we're all going to be connected, and email was so cool, and I love instant messenger from AOL. It was awesome, and then. And then it wasn't. <laughs> and, and then think, people got involved and it wasn't. And then it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> well, it was like Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. Yeah. People didn't see when they f- were first invented or like there was like this, suddenly we, like in 2016, you realize, oh, this is what this is doing to the, the minds of people. This yeah. is why they're voting this way. It's because of Facebook and because of Twitter. And that's that's scary. You know, that's... But they also stopped hanging. We've stopped hanging out with each other as like friends. I don't see my friends as much as I ever used to, like ten years ago. And bef- I mean, well, even before pan- the pandemic, right? Yeah, I, I just haven't been seeing people. I mean, we're, we're like, oh, we're busy, but I think it's more than that. It's like I don't know what it is. There's also this. Well, we're going to do a pot on this. There's the phenomenon of the incels, and there's just a bunch of men who have, according to a lot of polling and stuff, have lost interest in. in in the opposite sex. They would rather just play video games or be in their computers alone on the internet. But they, or is it just that they don't think that they can attract the opposite sex so they say they're not interested? Yeah, that's a good question, yeah. you know. <laughs> or even <laughs> the same sex. What, yeah, whatever yeah, they want. Same sex, whatever, you know. Whoever they're attracted to. They're, they're really just, into anime. They've and we given know. up. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some women that are like that too. They've definitely given well, up. sure, and, yeah. And they all love anime. I'm not, I'm not hating on everyone who loves anime, but I'm just saying. Yes, you are. There are a lot of incels who like anime. Well, there's a weird thing on Twitter, and and I'm not condemning anybody, but it's it, there's this problem people have on Twitter where they don't understand that that's not real life mm-hmm. and that that's misrepresenting what the most people are like. Because if you go on Twitter, if you look at women on Twitter, most women on Twitter are gay or bi or, you know... They're ultra, like, third-wave feminism. Yeah, like and that that's kind of not... Stuff. As we see in these elections, that's not what, what's happening, guys. <laughs> it's There's a lot well, of cons- conservative yeah. women... I think that's what, because Twitter and especially Tumblr, and yeah. I'm on Tumblr, so I'm I think Tumblr. I think Tumblr. a lot of people from Tumblr <laughs> migrated to Twitter. Yeah, because yeah, they, well, they that's, closed up the porn, yeah. so we got some of the weirdos who were writing like creepy fan fiction, porn, yeah, pornographic. I've been, I've fan been on Tumblr too, but not for porn, but just so no. Tumblr was fun. Is, I liked it. But what you're seeing is those people are very young. Yeah, <laughs> the people on Facebook are rather old yeah i've abandoned facebook mostly middle, yeah. yeah i use it for work basically me too facebook That's... is boomer book oh and it's depressing you know right. i got on there to post just about the pod like you know we've got a new podcast mm-hmm. up and facebook had to show me a memory of like a past relationship <laughs> and i'm like oh. why and it literally made me super <laughs> depressed all day and then i'm like okay oh, i'm so I'm, I'm gonna clean and and i got my yeah, makeup desk of... in order i put the goddamn christmas tree up because i was like you know what I don't care. This like last year sucked. This year is crappy. And yeah, we're going to do Thanksgiving, but I just want to enjoy. I just, I, I love Christmas lights and I like the holidays. And I'm like, I, I normally am not this person. Well, I will decorate early, but I, I need it. <laughs> so the tree is up. I, I thought it was funny uh, when you sent us the email because uh, you talk about uh, hopefully a positive email. And I was like thinking about that because I was like, well, we, we kind of picked the bad emails because they're fun to read. You know, I sit here, I have a yeah. drink and I'm reading them off and I'm like, oh, this is so they funny. They are funny. They're really funny. Like, and the stalkers, were, that was such a weird thing. It was it was just a group of people. And I think they were like in one region. So I wasn't too frightened of them. But if they had become a problem, I would have contacted authorities yeah, and made a, made sure. a plan. Uh, 
occasionally I'll get trolls every now and then who it'll be they'll pop up and they'll say you're ugly and I'm like well if I'm so ugly why do I have so many stalkers I'll tell them that so, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's like some guy with the anime avatar he's like you're ugly I don't like you you're ugly yeah I, we haven't had so many of them lately because we haven't done any like promo photo shoots in yeah, a while because I'm too tired I'm too tired <laughs> we're all like, too tired uh, the holidays are coming I'm up I'm old <laughs> yeah unfortunately that's it's part of being in public now is just people getting their kicks out of putting somebody else down for almost literally no reason. Tearing them apart. They can. Yeah, yeah, it's the same kind of bullying I experienced in high school, except now it doesn't bother me anymore. I don't know why. I don't even care. It doesn't. Because you're not 20 anymore. Yeah. My skin, <laughs> I'm not a teenager anymore. It's being like, on social media has given me, I'm just like Teflon. It has thickened my skin, and I, I appreciate it for that alone, but I don't appreciate it for a lot of other things. Yeah. It's been negative in a lot of other ways, like like keeping us apart. And I, I do miss like, you know, calling your friends. Like, what? Did, why? When do we decide that we hate phone calls? Like, we just don't want to talk to people on so the I'm phone. Talk to collectors, I'll talk to everybody. Else. <laughs> <laughs> I never like talking on the phone. I I loved it. I love talking to talking to friends. It's funny because we do we're now doing all the podcasts where we talk to people. And yeah, I, I like it. Enjoy I love it. it. I love it. Yeah, it feeds feeds that part of me. But no, I miss like making plans, going to see a movie. And maybe that's part of it because we're all working so hard to just pay survive. to survive yeah. that we're freaking worn out just from that i think that is part of it because it's a lot of us don't have just one job we have like the main job and then we've got a gig job and maybe we've got two gig jobs and we're all really tired some of us are still going back to school trying to again you know make a better living so we're not like torturing starving and torturing ourselves but it, it's none of it's working really and i think maybe that has something to do with it but i do miss just human interaction even though i'm an introvert that's what's funny about yeah it. when we go out she just talks to people and she just can't stop so. i know and in the anxiety <laughs> makes it worse it's so awkward and i just talk to everybody and i'm like a fool and everybody thinks i'm antisocial because i don't say anything like, he's embarrassed <laughs> <it's> <laughs> he just like, lets me go <laughs> oh we got it, the other funny thing is uh on a- apple uh we had chris my friend chris on and and it was around that time we got a bunch of reviews on apple and they were all negative they were like well it was weird that they gave us good ratings but then the comments were negative because they said i i would not shut up and i over talked everybody and because they wanted to hear chris this guy chris who's my friend who's got this blog where he talks about a lot of conspiracy theories and a lot of uh, just i don't know weird esoteric things and it's just funny that that was uh, how we got reviews is basically through that on Apple <laughs> Podcasts. Yeah, well, it's because people are more motivated to leave. It's the same with books. Yeah. Do, are they more, more motivated, motivated to leave negative reviews? Because I try to, I they try are, really hard to make yeah. like I, at least, at, at the very least, leave like all the five stars. I've and heard stuff. Goodreads is rough reviews. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're mean. <laughs> I yes. hate Goodreads. They're mean on there. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that. I just think it's an annoying way to try to keep up with my books because they're like, "You're still reading." I'm like, "I haven't read that book. It's a terrible book." And I don't want to. I don't want to tear down the author. So uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I do I'm the same like, thing. I I don't leave a review unless I can leave a positive one. So. Yeah. I mean, if it's like maybe a poor finish to a trilogy, I might say it's that, but it's still worth reading or something like that. But I don't ever try to really be negative because that's someone else who's creating something and putting it out there, and that's hard. So like, well, I, I can't do it. I took. I wish I could write novels, but I'm. I, I don't know. I took creative writing in college, and uh, there was a story. And I, I talked about this yesterday for some reason, but I wrote a story about werewolves because I like werewolves, and uh, mm-hmm. I read it out to the class because you had to do that. And there's a guy in the class. He goes, "Story is not good because that's not how real werewolves would interact." <laughs> and, 
And everybody just kind of looked around at this guy, and he wasn't joking. <laughs> he was serious. Maybe he was a werewolf in disguise. Yeah, like that one guy who emailed us. Who said Has anyone was... ever said that about your books? Do you, do you realize that? That's not how the zombies would really... <laughs> That's not how zombies are supposed to behave. That's not a I real gotta... zombie. <laughs> I, one of my earliest reviews, and I... Okay, so apparently I'm allergic to aspirin, but had no idea I was allergic to aspirin. Oh, no. So um, there's a scene where the main character has an aspirin and discusses not driving while she's having an aspirin because I get very, very dizzy. And I thought that, that happened to everybody. Oh. <laughs> and I got a review. One of the earliest reviews was this author thinks that aspirin is like narcotic and it's ridiculous. Oh, dear. <laughs> and so I asked my husband, like, doesn't it make you dizzy? And he said, no. And we went to the doctor and we found out that I have an allergy. I just assumed <laughs> that the, the character had an allergy, that, that that's what that was, that she had an, yeah, she had just, an allergy. Yeah, I had no idea that it didn't affect people that way. That's really funny. <laughs> I would never have guessed that, that that's where it came from. <laughs> that, is, that is really odd. <laughs> so yes, occasionally I get weird things like that. But most the thing about reviews, and it probably should be the same for you, is I try to remember... It's for the other readers. It's not for me. I'm not the mm -hmm. one that they're talking to, and I shouldn't probably read them. I do. <laughs> Kim occasionally reads me the really good ones because it helps me. Although sometimes the really good ones just make me nervous for the next book. But <laughs> I'll read whatever you write. I'm. I am. I'm one of. I'm one of those readers. You write I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Nah, it. Look, Stephen King doesn't always write like bangers every time, but I still right. read them. Right. <laughs> I'm going to read the book because I'm a fan. I, I love That's the other thing. The I think social media has hurt my attention span because I struggle to read. And I used to read, just plow through stuff. Um, and now I, I have to force myself to, to do research. But it's, it's, it's not, and I miss it. I love to, you know, I do love getting into stories and reading. And I, I wanted to be a writer at one time. And it's, it's something about social media has just made it because I read so much on Twitter and Going through this crap, it's just like I. Struggle. I think your brain's too tired afterwards to have. Yeah, I'm fiction. exhausted. Probably. Yeah, yeah, and, and you're it, also consuming a lot of nonfiction as well. Yeah, I do, and it's not that male stereotype of I really read nonfiction. It's not that. It's just that I'm having to read it for the podcast because I do the research. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do the same. Uh, since the pandemic, I've found myself reading a ton of nonfiction, which yeah. I always did, but much less fiction, and I don't like that because I love fiction. Yeah, I do too. But it's the I think it's being stuck inside it's yeah it's being having to be constantly on hyper alert for everything yeah. and yeah i think you're, I, I think you're right i think of it is it's affected my ability to craft i think there's I, something I, similar to that like i can't really yeah. knit and crochet the way i used to and i was pretty avid about that now i'm like mm, i still love it i just can't seem to find the urge or the, the creative, focus. the yeah. focus. Yeah, it's like it's like I just don't quite feel like it. It's not giving me that same the joy. Thing I don't about know why. the Trump years was it always felt like something was about to drop every moment, every right. you know, and it was exhausting. Mm -hmm. And it's weird how people now have just like gone back to well, I wish things were move faster. And it's like I'm no, no, no. I want to slow I mean, them I want back good down. Things to happen, but I kind of <laughs> like the boring administration. I like being able to sleep without having yeah. an alert on my phone saying somebody got COVID. Exactly. I would be fine I never having to see a president. The news. I have stopped watching the news. I follow a few journalists on Twitter, or I just kind of wait for you know if something is breaking on there. I follow it on Twitter. That's, that's it. News now. I, I don't I, watch cable news. I no. can't. I mean, I I used to watch. A well, lot of it. MSNBC is still all about Trump, and I'm like, you guys. <laughs> it's, 
right, the more the more you talk about him, it's, he's like he's like a, a hydra. You know, <laughs> the more you talk about him, the stronger he gets. Yeah, he's coming back. It's like yeah, the, he's been deplatformed. Just let him die already. Come right. on. That was shocking when he got deplatformed. I was shocked. That I, they actually I, went that I far. didn't think they would ever do it. Yeah, I didn't either. No, I didn't either. Because like, he wow. was such a cash cow for them. But even yeah. I guess Twitter. But had if enough. he runs for president, he again he will probably they will probably let him back on. Oh yeah, they will. God yeah. damn it. Yep. <laughs> I hope he doesn't. Or- I don't want to be cursed with the orange menace again. <laughs> We'll have another menace, but you know, not the orange one yeah, because that's there's the scarier thing. The guy from Florida, the next DeSantis, guy's gonna be smarter, he's going to be so. smarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think right now it's that who's who's the I can't think of the guy's name, Michael. You know who I'm talking about? Um, JD Vance. Oh, yes, or uh, Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis would be pretty horrific. I yeah. think he'd be worse than JD Vance. I can Vance. see him winning more than JD Vance. I, know. I think the name JD Vance just kills that guy winning anything. So, you, th- you think he sounds too southern? Yeah, it just sounds. But he's got that I just book. Think he's, yeah, that's. I think why he's doing that. I think it's publicity. Yeah, he's doing I think it for it's, money. It's not. <laughs> he's getting a lot of money doing this. Yeah, he's a, he's a grifter. Yep, they're all grifters. And then Ron DeSantis is destroying Florida more yeah. than it. Florida is already destroyed. I know, but yeah, then he's know. making the, it worse. The previous hey, guy wasn't any better. <laughs> Florida's been dead to me for years. <laughs> sorry, Florida. Sorry, sorry, anybody from Florida. <laughs> It's a beautiful state, but I f- I do feel bad for the people who don't support Ron DeSantis and have to live li- like the way we do here in Kansas. All the nuts roll down to Florida. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah, even our our last governor, who was like mini Trump, he went. To oh Florida. yeah, that That's guy. Wh- oh, I forgot all about him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he Age. was like he was kind of the precursor. He was like proto Trump. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that guy. The media loves Chris Christie. He's the other guy there. They're called. trying to make yeah, him a comeback kid. I'm no, like, no, he won't. no. Nope. I think people are he's tired done. of him. Yeah, he's done. Yeah. He was the first loudmouth. And also, like, Trump doesn't like him anymore. Trump is saying he's a loser. So mm-hmm. that's the kiss of death. Trump doesn't like you. You're dead to the party. <laughs> we got Liz Cheney. She's banned from the party now. They 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 voted some kind of thing. Are you kidding? Denounce her as no, a Republican. She was she was ousted from those Wyoming. Wow. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did that I miss cool. that? Cheney is no longer. Funds. Yeah. You know, and I, I think uh, her father was probably one of the most evil men in politics. He still is. He's, he's pretty awful. But uh, it's crazy when a Cheney is making sense, and I am agreeing with him. You know, him. but he wore a mask. He, <laughs> he's not stupid. He, he posed with him wearing a mask. He wasn't afraid to be called, uh, you know, gay for wearing a mask. Well, he's had a heart transplant, and he's had cancer. That's, yeah, so that's... I heard this theory about how conservatives think, and... Uh, it's that they'll be compassionate and kind and as loving as possible to the people that are in their circle. Mm-hmm. But until the thing that's affecting everybody affects them personally, they won't care about it. So like, for ex- example, Cheney, his, one of his daughters is gay. Yeah. And yeah. he was anti-gay until she came out and then he changed his And mind. then, yeah, then it, it's personal. Yeah. And I think that's, it's really hard to make like that change, but it's good at least that there's some theory about how to make that change, you know? Well, there's a, a famous story about Ronald Reagan who uh, was doing all these austerity measures in the eighties and, you know, gutting everything. That's one reason people with mental health, issues, yeah. like, like severe mental health. There issues was a woman that wrote him around. a letter saying that she uh, needed money. So, he wants to write her a check and send her a lot of money. 
but you know he's gutting everything to help everybody but because right. it's on a personal that level particular that, person yeah it yeah. got to him and that's 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 weird to me i don't i don't get that it there's also the whole thing of the authoritarian thing of where you're on a scale of authoritarianism and you're drawn more to conservatives if you're an, you know have an authoritarian personality right. yeah and that's just psychology that's not me just shitting on no, conservatives yeah they've done they've done studies on that you know yeah. science devil worship <laughs> We call it devil worship here in America, guys. That's right. I have friends that call it devil worship. I have relatives that call it devil worship. We're not that Same. far. <laughs> yeah. Same. One, uh, my cousin is is really religious. I have two cousins who are really religious, and he was all excited about the podcast. And then I, I don't know if he's ever listened to one episode because I just feel like we he would not like it. So I think the satanic panic would freak him out. Oh yeah, because he would say it was real. You know that you know my grandmother believed it's real. So yeah. Yeah, but this same cousin, he's been in like cults and stuff, so his his religions have been everywhere. He has gone from being an AOC Democrat to a Trump supporter to back to an AOC Democrat to back to a Trump supporter. That's he so is weird. he is all over the place. <laughs> don't even know why. Yeah. But he's been religious through all this, and I don't know where this comes from. But not the same religion. It's it's yeah. been like literal cults from California. Yeah, it was like some kind of weird cult, like the uh, Heaven's Gate type cult. Right. You know, yeah. One of those California religions. <laughs> like Scientology. Well, I think it, like, it, it doesn't hurt anyone that he's doing that. It's only when it becomes policy that it's... Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. I don't care what he like, does, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's fine if you want to believe in zombie Jesus. It's not fine when you want everyone else to believe in zombie Jesus. Then yeah. I have that should be a book, that. Zombie Jesus. <laughs> Should be, that should be my next there book. There is a book. Zombie there is some book. I never read it. It was about zombie dinosaurs. It was like Jurassic <laughs> something zombies or I don't know. That should be a movie. That that could be like the next Sharknado. That's, but that's like, it's kind of redundant, isn't it? Jurassic I mean, Undead. That's what it was. If you're a carnivorous dinosaur, you eat everything anyway. Yeah, so true. What's so scary yeah. They could already eat you if they It exist. was like a dinosaur. It was like a T-Rex on the cover and he's like, partially decomposed that was so he just smells really bad yeah, yeah. it just smells it's, it's decomposing it's a whole book series by the <laughs> oh way God. it's not just like one guy wrote one book it's like he's continuing this on how did you find these <laughs> well, i was looking on amazon one day so yeah you can find some jams on it <laughs> absolutely all right it well like a, it would be a chuck tingle special almost oh a what Oh, I, no, I was just going <laughs> to say. I, uh, <laughs> Have you ever heard of Chuck Tingle? No. No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. When we're done here, <laughs> go look up Chuck Tingle and thank me later. I awesome. Will. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he is a national treasure <laughs> of weirdness. <laughs> I will have to look this up. Yeah. So I think we've ran through yeah. everything that we can. Yeah. Okay. We did a good job here. Yeah, I was, you, you, I don't know what you're saying when you're saying you got lost. You've been, you've been great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I really, I really enjoyed this podcast. This is going to be fun. The world will still be in a horrible place. (laughs) (laughs) Deidre, I just want to thank you for coming on. I have enjoyed corresponding with you so much and uh, your insights are really good. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. And I'm not surprised that they're, they're that good because um, they're reflected in your, your writing. And I, I have to check out those books. You definitely have to check those books out, uh, guys. They are they are after the cure. That's the first series. She has others that come after them. Uh, the latest book is called Reversion. 
but you should really read the After the Cure series first. But you don't have to. You could actually read that uh, new trilogy first if you wanted to, right? I think that's what you were saying before. Yeah, it's it's uh, same world, different characters. Different group, characters, though. yeah. So you could you could start in those, but I think the After the Cure books are really good. You can just jump right in there. And if you yeah, love... the first one's always free, so... <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, yeah. that's the thing. You, you get them in with the free book, and then it's... I have no problem. The prices are great. So yeah. give them to me all. If you put them in a box set, like, I'll buy that. And then if you if you really like... Because I really enjoyed the XC2 books. I think those are just amazing. The Her trilogy of sci-fi... Um, really good guys. It was really good and very again more page turners and and unexpected too. I wasn't I wasn't I didn't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting the horror elements. Um, and then the things that followed. And I don't want to give anything away. I'm trying to be vague, <laughs> but, but if you like sci-fi and horror, you will definitely like those books yeah. too. Thanks. So check it out. So thank you for coming onto the podcast, Deidre. I've just thank really enjoyed it. We had yeah, a great had a time. Yeah. We'll have to do this again. We'll have to think of something else yeah. we want to talk about. Sure. Yeah. I'll, Pick I, your I brain love about. I'm listening to you guys, so I'll, <laughs> I'll keep writing to you. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on, and we will we will talk to you soon. Hope you have a great day. Okay. Thanks. You too. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. And that was Deirdre Gould. I hope everyone enjoyed the interview. I know I certainly did. Very enlightening. Exactly. Um, I just want to give her a big thank you for coming onto the pod. I cannot wait to have her back. Uh, we will come up with more things, interesting things to talk about. I'm I'm sure of it. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> and if you would like to find us on our social media accounts, you can find us at the Spookies Podcast at gmail.com, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. At all those accounts, you can also find what about us. Pornhub? What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can find us over on Patreon as well. We have a lot of goodies over there. Uh, you get first dibs on new podcasts and shorts, and you also have the chance to even be on the podcast with us if you pitch us an idea we think is pretty interesting. So you can go over there to patreoncom podcast and just for five bucks a month, you help support the pod. And uh, you get rewards. We have a favor to ask of you. If you could leave us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, that would help us out immensely. Just open the app, search the Spookies podcast, and click those five stars. You don't even have to write. This helps us in the podcast algorithms to grow our audience. Well, yeah, I'm going to be dropping uh, Phineas Gage this week. Mm-hmm. So uh, there will be no episode Thanksgiving weekend, no new episode, but we will be do- dropping a m- mini episode midweek and we did upload one of the uh patreon pods <laughs> dinosaur conspiracy it's really fun i think that that one if you're okay with the f-bombs that i drop uh that you could probably play out loud so you wouldn't necessarily have to have your headphones in while you're getting ready for thanksgiving that would be a good one to listen to they're not okay with that <laughs> <laughs> i mean when you have to do all the casserole makings and the pie preparings you guys know what i'm talking about those of you who cook you know what I'm talking about. That's the stuff you have to do to get ready for Thanksgiving. So I think it's a good one for that. You could find me on Twitter at Agent Bigfoot, where I, you know, bully and harass people and <laughs> act like a jackass. And 
you know, just like I do on the pod. And you can also find me at Spooky Michael on Instagram. Eventually, I'll upload some new pics. Um, <laughs> just not doing any right now. We've been really, really busy and really fucking tired. I've been so goddamn tired. And every time I try to get a picture, the light is wrong. Something. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm out of it. Yeah. Hopefully, by the time we uh, take more pics, you'll be a brunette again. So. Oh, hell no. This blonde is staying. <laughs> no, that's not happening. I love it. I so, love this I color. I like Vincent Price laughing. Ha, 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 ha never going to change and you can find me also at steffi hell yeah on twitter and stephanie hell yeah on instagram and i mostly post on my stories and talk shit over on twitter because that's what i do and it's fun all right (laughs) and we will see you uh after thanksgiving exactly have fun and have a good holiday bye-bye bye-bye Thank you.